I think that the more chaotic things get, the more open people are to change and to finding different alternatives to things. So as the world feels like it's getting more and more chaotic, more and more people are waking up because they're starting to see when things are going really well and everything's normal, like there's no, there's no challenge, there's no adversity. And so everyone just gets lulled into this state of like, everything's normal. But when things are kind of getting chaotic and energy is moving everywhere and, and you feel this kind of palpability in the collective consciousness, you start to become more aware of your own feelings. So Discomfort ever- is a part of the process. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, we got that. Makes sense. Um, but the step goes along with this analogy is really being okay and even accepting of those challenges that are coming and the emotions that are rising up that might feel uncomfortable and you might not want to look at. It's that shadow aspect of ourselves Mm -hmm. and the analogy is. You're listening to the Living and Leading with Emotional Intelligence podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 88 of the Living and Leading with Emotional Intelligence podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Nicole. Today, for the first time on this podcast, I believe ever, I'm going to have two guests at the same time. Chris and Kevin Carton, they're brothers who co-host one of my favorite podcasts, the Science and Spirituality Podcast, which is an educational podcast discussing universal spiritual principles while grounding them in modern science. Their podcast has grown into an international community of tens of thousands of like-minded people. I'm going to introduce each of them individually, starting with Dr. Chris Carton, who is a doctor of acupuncture in the state of North Carolina. He actually resides in Charlotte, North Carolina, where I live, and he is also a certified heart math coach. Chris has a passion for educating others about stress and its role in disease and health through its impact on the nervous system. Kevin Carton specializes in empowering people to discover and live their soul's purpose. He began his journey when he took a leap of faith and left pharmacy school to pursue his passion. Now as a spiritual life and business coach, Kevin has spoken on stage in front of thousands of people, which has led him to be described as a young Bob Proctor and the next Tony Robbins. He shares his daily inspiration on his Instagram at Kevin F. Carton and on his podcast with his brother, Science and Spirituality. It is a pleasure to have Chris and Kevin on the Living and Leading with Emotional Intelligence podcast. I am a huge fan of theirs. This is the first time we've ever had a conversation. Actually, second time. This is the second time we've had a conversation. And I feel like I know them because I've listened to so many episodes of their podcast. So without further ado, here is Kevin and Chris Carton. Cool deal. All right. Well, Kevin, Chris, it is a pleasure. I am beyond excited to have you on the Living and Leading with Emotional Intelligence podcast. Um, There's like this slight starstruckness in a way, which it's kind of funny because I feel like I know both of you really well because I love your podcast. In fact, it's probably the podcast that I've taken the most deep of a dive on in the past five years, where I'm just constantly digesting all of these episodes. I think you have, what, 80? How many do you guys have now? I think it's 90 now. 90 now? Yeah. Out of those 90, within like a span of a month, I think I've consumed over 45. 
I believe. So I'm, I'm really like cranking through these. Um, so for those of you listening and watching, Kevin and Chris have a podcast together called the Science, Science and Spirituality Podcast. And the thing that I love about it is it does bring that science component into the mix, but it's not like a heavy concentration on the data because I feel like that's not the the entirety of the message, right? That's just a component to show the proof, the facts behind this um, concept that many people are not familiar with because it's not part of the Western culture, right? So before we dive into today's topic, I would love for both of you to introduce yourselves to our listeners and viewers. So I'm going to start, let's start with Chris and we'll go in alphabetical order there and introduce yourselves. Awesome. Well, hey guys, um, um, Nicole, I just want to thank you so much. Brittany, I just want to thank you so much for um, having us on this uh, podcast. Um, so my name's Chris and I'm a doctor of acupuncture and I'm also a certified heart math coach through the Heart Math Institute. And so uh, my journey to acupuncture actually started in accounting um, where I realized that I was super depressed and you know anxious all the time about my career path. And so I decided to make a switch and found acupuncture and holistic healing. And through that, um, Kevin and I uh, started the Science and Spirituality podcast because for me, I'm more of like the science guy. And because when I started to study acupuncture, um, acupuncture kind of has this uh, uh, air about it that it's all about energy. And it's like, there's no scientific basis to it, but I really wanted to understand the science behind it. And that's just what I bring to a lot of things in life. I want to understand why and really get into the depth of it. Um, so that's a little bit about my background and uh, Kev. Yeah. No, Chris, it's funny. I, I, and Nicole, I mean, Brittany, I did the same no, thing as Chris. No, it's fine. Brittany, Nicole. Brittany, um, it was funny. I was thinking like, oh, Chris should introduce himself first because he's the older brother. So that's something also is, um, someone may not know as listening. It's like we're brothers. Chris is a year and a half older than me. Um, so he should go first too because he's first. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I'm Kevin Carden. I am a... That title always is in my mind is like a bit different because my uh, my technical title I'm a certified life mastery consultant and dream builder coach. That's my uh, training over the last four or five years. But I like to call myself a spiritual life and business coach. And just like Chris, I have very very similar stories. That my career path was not this years ago. I went to school to get my doctorate in pharmacy. Although I didn't get the doctorate because I chose to, to leave uh, after four years out of a six-year-long program, that sparked a whole journey of being where I am today, which uh, it's a story for another time, but um, it really opened me up. Like I, I, there's, there's some things that I started to study in personal development as I got into just this whole field that just really cracked me open and realized, made me realize that life is so much more than what most of us are raised to believe yeah and there's so much to that like programming societal structures and uh just our own limiting beliefs and unawareness i call it the veil that's over our eyes but then when we start to really see and just really become aware um everything is one and so i I, as chris said he's the more science aspect of the science and spirituality podcast i'm more of the spirituality aspect um and that has come over years of just of my own exploration of this, this universe that we live in that is vast. So um, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Yeah. It's, it's so fascinating because I'm kind of like right in the middle now, 
You know, I was more on Chris's side where it's like, if you can't measure it, then Mm -hmm. I don't want to say it doesn't exist. Like I'm kind of like um, agnostic in that sense where I'm not, it is, or it isn't. It's like either we know it or we don't know it yet, Mm -hmm. but there's always that realm of possibility. And that's kind of what allowed me to kind of drift further into the whole universal consciousness, spirituality side. And for people listening and viewing, I want to make that distinction that spirituality does not necessarily mean religious, although you can be religious and spiritual. It doesn't mean that you have to have a certain doctrine um, around that. So let's start talking about, because again, this is an emotional intelligence podcast, right? But one thing that I've, I've noticed in my field, so I got my degree in psychology, but emotions, and I've heard this from other psychologists who've been in the field for decades, emotions were never seen as something that was valid, which is mind blowing to me, mm-hmm. right? It was mm-hmm. more, we have these thoughts and then our experiences create this, you know, release of hormones and the mechanics of everything. It was very mechanical. We're a machine. This is how we function, but it didn't take into account again, the energetic, which energy is science, right? Mm -hmm. But more of the spiritual component and connecting the dots to things that are in the subconscious mind, even though Mm -hmm. we talk about subconscious. Anyways, I could go on a tangent, you know, like Mm -hmm. there's so many rabbit holes that you can go down, but I want to talk about emotions and energy and how most of us view energy in the Western world and how it ties into more of Eastern medicine and therapy, if, if that makes sense. I know both of you have probably studied a little bit of Eastern medicine. Is that right? I've studied a lot of it. That's, yeah. that's, what my, that's what my doctorate's in, um, acupuncture. And, well, my doctorate's in acupuncture, but I have a master's in, in East Asian medicine um, as an acupuncturist. And so it's, it's interesting that you say that because what I wanted to start talking about is the paradigm, the paradigm difference between the West and the East. Whereas the, the East, when they were developing their system of medicine, they looked at the cosmos and how like the weather patterns changed and how that like affected humans. Like they looked at the human body as a microcosm of the bigger system. Mm -hmm. And so everything in Chinese medicine is about relationships. Um, And so emotions played a big part in that because emotions affect everything in our life. Like the relationship you have with your parents, the relationship you have with friends, it, it always creates an emotion. And then that emotion to get into a little bit of the science, like to connect it, it creates a cascade of chemicals inside your body. And that it's important for your health. Um, so that's kind of like the marrying between the two of those things. And it's, it's super important. And I think Kev, we, we talk about this in our podcast a lot too, the, the results formula, Mm -hmm. um, about how thoughts are where everything starts, but then your thoughts create emotions. And then it's those emotions that cause you to take certain actions. And then those actions give you the results. So um, the emotions, a huge piece. Like if you skip over those emotions, you could be thinking all the right things. You could be trying to do all the right things, but if your emotion isn't in it, you're not going to get the results that you want because it's not going to be sustainable. Yeah. Mm. And I think in this Western culture, we, because we've been so dismissive 
of emotions. Mm -hmm. Like I shouldn't feel this or I feel guilty for feeling this. Mm -hmm. We don't see that emotion as being valid or as being data. And that's what it is. There's information within that emotion and there's energy within that emotion. And if we don't ask ourselves, why am I feeling this way? What sparked this? Yes, the thought sparked it. But why did that thought happen to present itself? Is there like Mm. trauma? Is there, you know, um, a script that I'm running that I've been conditioned to believe a certain way? We don't get curious. We're we're Mm. not curious when it comes to emotions for so many different reasons. Um, And then the energy, talking about the energy piece of that, whenever we suppress, whenever we ignore that emotion is going to keep knocking at the door and that's when it can become toxic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a bad emotion. It can become toxic if we allow that energy to manifest in a negative way, right? Yep. Yeah. There's a great analogy that I always keep in mind when it comes to emotions is that they're like a beach ball. That if you try to hold a beach ball down under the water in the ocean mm. or in a pool, then one of two things will happen. You, could, you can keep that beach ball down for a long time, but eventually one of two, one of two things are going to happen. Either one, you're going to get tired, like physically tired, and your arms are going to give out, and then the beach ball is going to pop back up, and that happens in life. It's like we get tired, we get overwhelmed, there's like life happens, and then we can't hold that emotion down anymore, and that's why people have outbursts. Mm-hmm. And then that's one thing. But then the second thing that happens is we could just get distracted. Also life happens. Like there's a lot going on in life. And so in the beach ball analogy is like, you see, you know, someone surfing and it's like, okay, your attention is away. Boom. The emotion comes back up. That beach ball comes back up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I and love just, that. I absolutely that, love that. Feel free to use it. Yeah, yeah. I will. Don't worry. <laughs> and then also just to add on to that too, about um, just like this the simple thing in physics, like, energy can't be created or destroyed. Mm -hmm. So when you feel that energy of an emotion and you don't let it express through you, your body's going to have to deal with it in some way. And again, just going back to like the Eastern philosophy, that's how we see diseases being caused. Like if you're having emotions, which again, are creating those chemicals from a physical perspective and you're not moving through them effectively, that energy is going to be absorbed somewhere, whether it's in your liver, whether it's in your circulatory system or your heart or like your brain, and it's going to create inflammation and all this, all these other kinds of things that can lead to disease. And so it's really important that we learn how to express those. And again, looking at our society, we don't learn anything about emotions in school, Mm-mm. anything. Mm-mm. And even, even the people that we look to as professionals, like psychology people, yeah. psychiatrists, we, they don't even learn too much about emotions, which right. I think is starting to change a little, but you know, even like 10 or 15 years ago, like emotions were, it was like a taboo topic. You weren't supposed mm-hmm. to talk about it because, you know, but now it's, it's, it's super important. And we're, we're starting to see the connections between certain emotional patterns from whether it's trauma or whether it's something right. turn into diseases. Like we're actually starting to see those connections and make those connections. Yeah. And I wish that there were more um, holistic doctorates in psychology because, you know, there's integrative medicine, there's acupuncture, there's um, like, uh, like chiropractic and all of that. But with psychology, there's really not a holistic doctorate. Cause I was looking into that. I was like, I really want to get my doctorate because you can do so many things. I want to be a licensed, you know, therapist, but I don't want to diagnose and treat people with medicine. 
that's the way I was treated. You know, I was diagnosed with OCD, ADD, and AD, uh, GAD when I was 15, and I was placed on anti-anxiety medicine and um, Adderall. And, you know, I was just told, well, you know, your mom has it, your aunt has it, your you know, grandma has it. It's just hereditary. And you just have a chemical imbalance. Well, yes and no. Yes, it is hereditary. So that script, that mindset is being passed down and inherited. And then, yeah, I said that right. Um, And then also, I do have a chemical imbalance, but it's self-induced. And I have to be careful with how I say that because I'm not trying to tell people to just jump off all their medication Mm -hmm. and to solve their problems themselves. For me, it's like if you need that medication to get on that level ground so you can get out of that fight or flight response state so you can think in a, in a more clear, less stressed mental environment, fine. But also in addition to that, I highly recommend working on understanding your emotions and embracing them and not feeling that guilt and shame so that maybe you can in the future rely more on yourself for regulation than something else. And Kevin, I know that was one reason you kind of stepped out of that field of pharmacy because, or is it pharmacology? It was pharmacy. Okay. Um, Because of that very thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the clearest like indication for me, it was like why I made the change is because in my, it was between my third and fourth year in the summer, um, so again, it was a six year degree doctorate, doctorate. It was like accelerated because usually it's eight years to get a doctorate. Um, but in between the third and fourth year, I started working at a community pharmacy in New York. It was at a Rite Aid pharmacy. And I would see, I stayed there for maybe three, four months during the internship. And I saw the same people coming back again and again and again. And they weren't seeming any better. And maybe they were, but they were having the same medication, like one of the most common ones is high blood pressure. That is very controllable without medication, but most people just take the medication then go on and continue living their lives by the way in which they've lived it before, which they're not going to ever get any different result. And I just, I just felt horrible about that. Like I didn't want to contribute to that whole industry that just perpetuated people's uh, status quo. Right. Right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I just kind of, I'm, I'm just sitting until more holistic um, degrees mm. come along, hopefully sooner than later. And, Which, and I know we can do what we're doing without that. Sure. But I definitely think if you want to be a licensed therapist, obviously I have to, but I don't want to waste those years learning about how to diagnose and medicate people. Mm-hmm. Right. I feel like that's just not a good use of my time. Yeah. Yeah. And Chris, you were talking, I want to go back to that whole energy piece. You're talking about like when we suppress it, it is going to manifest in negative ways with our physical health. And then at the same time, we can also transfer that energy, right? By displacing Mm -hmm. that energy or projecting it onto other people. Mm -hmm. And so I look at the environment that we're living in today with this high stress, quick trigger reactions with a sea of people who are unaware at no fault of their own, right? Just it was the environment we were raised in. Like, how do you see 
what we do kind of coming to light, right? Like I see more and more people, but I don't know if it's that whole, now that I'm in it, I'm more aware of it. Mm-hmm. Or if there really is this renaissance per se, mm-hmm. where people are waking up. Because I feel like if there's all this negative or toxic energy from unmanaged emotions, then it's going to continue to be passed around. It becomes like a feedback loop, right? Mm-hmm. And so you're reliant on this small demographic of people to kind of help um, transition that into mm-hmm. a more positive state. Am I making yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah. I, I I think that the more chaotic things get, the more open people are to change and to finding different alternatives to things. So as the world feels like it's getting more and more chaotic, more and more people are waking up because they're starting to see when things are going really well and everything's normal, like there's no, there's no challenge. There's no adversity. And so everyone just gets lulled into this state of like, everything's normal. But when things are kind of getting chaotic and energy is moving everywhere and, and you feel this kind of palpability in the collective consciousness, you start to become more aware of your own feelings. So have you ever like woken up sometimes and you're just so anxious, but then you, you're like, this isn't my anxiety. Like what, what is happening right now in the world? That happens to me all the time. And it forces me to come, become aware of my own emotions and become aware of what's going on in the world. And I think that's waking people up and people are starting to seek out different alternatives. And you can, over the last 20 years, like you can just look at on a like PubMed and search holistic therapies. And the amount of research that's being done on them in the United States is skyrocketing up because the public wants it. Like the, uh, the National Institute of Health, they were forced to create the National Institute of Complementary and Alternative Medicine back in the early 2000s because so many people were seeking out alternative care. Yeah. They literally, the, the people in charge of the NIH research were, were literally looking at Americans and they were like, wow, they're spending billions of billions of dollars out of pocket on acupuncture, on chiropractic, on massages, on all these other holistic type of things. Like we need to start studying this. And so the more and more that people wake up because of this chaos, the more and more the, we're, we're going to be able to shift the, the, the powers that be, because once enough people start to ask for something, it's going to have to change. Like if, if, if you're a, a psychology school and most of the population wants holistic psychology and they won't see anyone unless they're trained in like eco psychology and nature therapy and yoga and all this and early childhood and trauma. Medicine too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're not going to, they're not going to teach that stuff anymore because no one's going to go to their practitioners. And so it's up to us to change the system. It's up to us to continue seeking out different things. And, and as like, as we heal ourselves too, we become beacons of light for other people because me 10 years ago, or even five years ago, I would have never had the guts to start a podcast with Kevin and talk about these things. But as I've seen the changes I've made in my own life, because of becoming more aware and applying these principles, I've become more excited about talking about these things. And that just creates another domino effect, you know, like all these people reaching out and being like, Hey, thank you for this. Thank you for that. It creates that wave. And so, I think that as things get more chaotic, to answer your question, more and more people are going to start waking up and starting to feel the need to speak out. And Chris, I love that you brought up the whole chaos because I think all of us have experienced that whenever we've went from that place of comfort Mm -hmm. to, okay, pursuing what we really feel passionate about, but there's that big gap, that unknown, right? There comes that discomfort. And Kevin, I know in the uh, half day workshop that you just did, 
you showed a card and I don't know if you have it near you, but it had the circles and I had like, this is where you are. And there was a red ring around that circle. And that was what, what zone do you call that? I forget how you named it, but it's called the red zone, the red zone, (laughs) but it's really the pain zone, right? Like the discomfort, the unknown. Um, and you have to, like you have to get through that in order to reach your destination, where you want to be to find that fulfillment mm-hmm. in life. And, and Chris, like you're saying, I think as a collective society, that's kind of where mm-hmm. we're at right now. And there is going to be that pushback. But one thing that we like to do is see things from our perspective in terms of a timeline, like things are just not happening fast enough, but we don't take a step back and say, okay, in my lifetime, this may seem like it's taking forever, but in the grand scheme of things, like things are really shifting. Mm-hmm. And so we can't say, well, I'm not going to do anything because I can't change it. It's like, no, everything changes something else. Mm-hmm. So we're all just kind of going through that pain point now. Yeah. I think it's important in that, in that process to focus on incremental steps. Like mm-hmm. you can get, you can get super overwhelmed thinking how like you see all these problems in the world. Cause this happens to me a lot. Like I'll just read the news for five minutes and I get hopeless. Cause I'm like, there's so many things going on. There's so many people that yeah. need help. There's so many things that I see wrong. And it's so easy to, when you get in that state to withdraw and say, yeah. there's nothing I can do, but every individual has the opportunity to do something. And even if it's starting with becoming more aware yourself and changing mm-hmm. yourself, that, that's, that's doing something because you're part of this world and you're part of this collective consciousness and that means something. And so just kind of taking baby steps so that you have the encouragement to when you take a baby step and you do it and you feel good, then that gives you that dopamine hit. And then you're like, oh, I want to do this again. You start to build those reward circuits in your brain. When you think about this huge thing you need to do, it can get overwhelming. So you got to break it yeah. down make it more manageable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and starting with the self, I mean, that's so important. I think our natural tendency is to try to fix others first. Mm -hmm. Like our ego is like, I'm not the problem. Like they're the problem. Like, look at the news. I'm not on the news. I didn't commit that crime or I didn't, you know, whatever, vandalize that property. But the, the climate that we live in today is just a projection of each of us. It's a collective trauma, if you will. And so um, I love what all three of us are kind of, we're in the same space with helping others because we've been doing the work ourselves. Obviously, you'll never stop growing. None of us will. But I think it starts again with, I need to be able to be able to fix myself and go through that pain to really help someone else go through that pain. And I think there's a, there's a disconnect there. Like there's people who want to help other people. So they gain knowledge and wisdom or should I say information? I think the wisdom comes in when you've applied it. Right. Um, so how Kevin in your work, like with working with people, what are some of the first steps to really help them feel comfortable and confident with themselves? Because it, it is again, painful to see some of the, darker sides in ourselves, the shadows, the trauma. Yeah. Well, of course. I mean, one of the, one of the things I was thinking of is another analogy that helps like when it comes to chaos we see or challenge we see, because as you said, and I, I think most people would really understand this like right off the bat, especially that someone listened to a podcast is about emotional intelligence is that 
discomfort is a part of the process. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, we got that. Makes sense. Um, but the step goes along with this analogy is really being okay. And even accepting of those challenges that are coming and the emotions that are rising up that might feel uncomfortable and you might not want to look at it's that shadow aspect of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And the analogy is, uh, I love analogies. It paints such a clear picture in our minds of how this works. So two, it's actually two that I put together, but one of them is, uh, as when you're cleaning out a closet and go figure I'm, I'm moving this Friday. And so I'm cleaning out a lot and like my place kind of looks like a mess right now. And that's normal. That's to be expected. Like when you're moving or you're changing something, you can't expect it to be all nice and organized. Like it's going to be a mess on the floor, but that's for the purpose of putting something back together in a more organized fashion. There, there's a principle that's called, that it says the universe evolves through chaos. Think back to the very beginning of our universe. That is what was most widely accepted is the big bang. And that's extreme chaos that happened in the very beginning of everything. But we have all evolved from that and what we see in our world. So I see that with like just how we can see what's going on in the world is just all of that is coming out so that we can then reorganize it to a higher degree. And just as it's happening in the macro, excuse me, macrocosm with our whole species in this whole planet, we could also see that in the microcosm of ourselves is that as we're endeavoring to change, there's going to be chaos. And so one big step that I help my clients do, and is this is one, one thing one of my clients is like, has taken on is like every single day she'll tell herself this is it's a, it's a phrase. It says, this is what it looks like when it's all coming together. This is simply what it looks like when it's all coming together, because from a spiritual aspect, if we really want to actually claim a new experience, we cannot stay hooked to the vibration or frequency of our current reality. And that vibration is our feelings. Mm -hmm. Our feelings are our conscious awareness of the vibration that we're living in. And so as long as we're staying hooked to the vibration or the feelings that are connected with our current reality, then we will never evolve because we're keeping our energy stuck here. Just like a radio. Exactly. You you can't listen to two stations at once. Yep. And as you Mm -hmm. transition from one to the other, you get static. Yeah. And yeah, d- like, I like, never heard that that way. That's really, that's a really good analogy too. The shifting the static. Yeah. yeah. And then that ties directly into the science perspective with our nervous system and just how our bodies function. Because when you're attempting to change and you're going forward to something new, that newness is going to signal to your nervous system. The, the first response is going to be danger. And so you're going to be hooked back to that familiar feeling. Even if that familiar feeling is anxiety, depression, yeah. stuckness, your body's going to hook you back to that. And so I like to think of it when that happens, I like to tell my body, like, thank you. Thank you for telling me that something's about to happen and that, you know, there's danger, but it's not what you think. Yeah. And, and this feeling of danger that I feel and wanting to stay back is actually my nervous system functioning normally. Right. And so you can, you can thank yourself, have a little self-compassion and then use that to move forward. Um, and so again, just the spirituality part of it, like the, the, the thinking differently and connecting to like a higher power or whatever you do to be spiritual or religious, like that helps you work with the science, like with your body part of it to move through those feelings. It's a higher frequency. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. like, no matter what I, I know, Chris, you mentioned religion, you look at any religion 
but also any spiritual practice, it's shifting from a certain frequency to a higher frequency. It's expanding. Like one, one particular practice is very common in, in, in spirituality or any religion is forgiveness. And forgiveness is literally a shifting frequency as well. It's, it's in the word. Forgive. You give up one perception for a higher perception. Mm. It's shifting frequencies. That's it. Yeah. And the frequency is science, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's just, that was the quote that we were talking about. I don't know if we actually talked about it on the recording of this podcast. I think it was pre-podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the quote of Einstein, like everything is energy. That's all there is to it. Match the, meet the frequency that you want, or that's a frequency. Mm-hmm. I can't remember it, but I, I got it. It's, yeah. it's not, you got the first part, right? Is, is yeah. everything is energy. That's all there is to it match the frequency of the reality you want and you cannot help but get that reality. This is not philosophy. This is physics. Exactly. Thank you. I'm so glad you're able to. (laughs) Yes. Um, and, and I think that's hard for people to grasp because this isn't again, common knowledge and we're resistant to things that aren't the norm. We -hmm. see things that aren't the norm as questionable. Well, if this is truth, then why isn't it widely accepted? Right. And so there's that resistance there. You know what? Also, I think the problem is as well with that quote. And then even just all the type of like new agey law of attraction kind of stuff is that it's, it's made out that it's made out to be easy, but Mm, it's like mm -hmm. really difficult. Like it's Mm -hmm. very rigorous. Like it's changing your vibration and having a new frequency. It sounds awesome. And you can just sit and meditate for five minutes a day in the morning and night. And it's just like, you're going to be a new person, but no, like it's, mm-hmm. it's in the day-to-day work, like every yeah. interaction and in every situation you come across, you need to be noticing how you're feeling, what emotions are coming up and work through them in the day-to-day. That's like the only way you ever change anything. And so that's why I think, again, in Western society too, with medications, it's, uh, it's we're, we're like lulled into that sense of if I just go to a doctor and I get a diagnosis, I'm so happy I have a diagnosis. There's a medication for me to fix my body mm-hmm. and then I, don't, I can stop the work. Yeah. Quick fixes is what yeah. we mm-hmm. look for. Yeah. And, and, and that's so frustrating because it's like our attention span is becoming shorter and shorter. We have an attention span less than a goldfish now. And, and that scares me because it's like, this takes immense work and concentration and focus. And once you get to a certain point, it's easier, Right but it's getting to that point. And like we were talking about before, it's almost like we have to hit our own rock bottom mm-hmm. and get into the pain. So it's like, we're already in pain. Now we can stay in that pain to get out of the pain kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Instead of that comfort, like, well, I'm comfortable. I don't want to get into pain to get out of that, to be yeah. more comfortable. And we don't know what we don't know. Like now looking back, when I used to say, I'm fine, I'm okay, I thought that, okay, well, everybody else is just as stressed as I am, so technically I'm normal. And it wasn't until, like, getting out of the trenches and looking back, like, wow, like, I was here, and now I'm, like, here, and now I want to go, like, way up there, um, and there's still room to grow, but now I know that there's always something better. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited. Let's, let's do this. Let's get uncomfortable. Um, mm-hmm. it's like shedding that skin, mm-hmm. right? 
like that transformation from a butter or a caterpillar to a butterfly. There's also a a cute little um, meme where it has the caterpillar and the butterfly sitting down for tea together. And the caterpillar goes, you've changed. And then the butterfly goes, yeah, we're supposed to. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. And Kevin preaches this a lot too. um, Wherever he talks is the importance of getting into a structure of support and having support when you're going through this process because you you don't have to do it alone. And so like Brittany, that's why I think the companies that you've started are so great because you're giving people a structure and saying, you don't have to do this alone. Like we can, you can rely on people who've been through it. And when you're surrounded by, when you're surrounded by the current life that you're in and every single input into your nervous system is the current reality that you live in. It's very hard to change that because you're going to, again, maybe sit in, meditate for five minutes or maybe read a good book and feel inspired. But then the minute you go back out and walk around, like you're the, the inputs are the same. And so it's very mm-hmm. hard, not impossible, but it's very hard to do that on your own. But yep. if you're surrounded in a, a structure of support where everyone is rooting for you and everyone's like, helping you with what you're dealing with because again it's very hard to see your life when you're you're in the picture frame but if someone outside of it can say oh you're doing this like of course but so it's really important to get into that structure and yeah it's it's, it definitely helps yeah i i love that and it makes me think of um you know the speaker where they pour the salt on top of the speaker and they play a frequency and then it creates Mm. these patterns yep so like each of us are a grain of salt and we're all going to conform to that frequency until we mm. move to another, whatever that platform is, yeah. with the salt dancing on it. That's so mm-hmm. cool. I should put a link to that in the video because people don't realize like frequencies do create these patterns. Yep. Like it's not yeah. just woo woo. Like this is, yeah. this or, is real stuff. Or another, another good, uh, I don't know if you can find this one too on YouTube is if you have two pianos in a room, and you play a chord on one piano, the other piano strings will vibrate and they'll play the same chord, even though wow. you're only playing on one piano because the, the vibration moves through things we can't see. It moves through the other, it moves through the air yeah. and it, it vibrates the other thing. And um, just studying heart math, like our hearts do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like d- depending on the emotion, our emotional state affects our heart rhythms. So the beat to beat fluctuation of our heart is dependent on our emotions and depending on what our emotions are at the time, that's going to send out a different frequency out of our skin, like through our skin out. We can measure it up to eight to 10 feet, but it's, it's, it's uh, proposed that it could go on infinitely because we don't have the, 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 the things to measure that yet. So when you walk into a room, your emotional state is going to automatically affect the people around you, whether you realize it or not. And the other people's emotions are going to affect you too. Like we're in this soup of like frequency and emotion that's moving around. And so that's also really important to remember as well. And you have the ability to change your heart rhythms and change your emotional state. So that kind of goes back to the the title of this podcast about how important emotional intelligence is. Because if you don't realize you can do that, you're not in that space to be aware to change it. Mm -hmm. You're just going to continue to run on the patterns. You're going to continue to be affected by anything and everything that comes into your field. Yeah. It could, it could be very, very challenging, even for people who practice like emotional intelligence and, and who are aware and know how to regulate because other people's emotional energy can be just so powerful that even going into it, knowing like, I want to bring this positive vibe. Like sometimes it's really strong. I remember, um, and I think I've shared this on another podcast, but I was driving and I'm feeling so good and uplifted and energetic And I'm going to meet with some people 
who always tend to be like those energy vampires, right? And I walk in the room, I'm like, you know what? I'm bringing my energy and I'm going to like exude this positive energy. But as soon as I opened the door, it was just like, you know, just like everything. I'm like, (laughs) just so the... Like I'm here, (laughs) but I'm not like showing up the way that I want to. And uh, I talk about in my book, like energy and motion, and I relate other people's energy. We have to create a buffer. So we have to make sure that we're not displacing our negative energy onto other people. But then we also have to ensure we're not absorbing that energy of someone else. So if we are going to spread energy, we want to make sure it's positive energy and keep that other energy to ourselves to deal with later. We don't want to suppress it, right? Um, But it made me think of, I love the analogies and metaphors that we're using in this, Mm -hmm. but for me, the analogy was, you know, there's this bonfire, right? And my family used to create this big bonfire, have people over and burn the brush that had been piling up over the year and to make sure that it was safe and to prevent us from creating this massive forest fire, we would set a burn parameter perimeter. So we would pour gasoline in a circle before we even started the bonfire and we would burn a ring of gas like 10 feet away from the fire. That way, if it did get out of hand, we already knew it was going to stop at that burn perimeter because there was nothing to feed that fire. And so that's kind of what I think of with our emotions. We have to go ahead and set that burn perimeter to say, this is where it stops here and it's not gonna spread anywhere else to anyone else. Um, Which is very difficult to do because again, you have to be aware that you're spreading it to begin with. You have to be aware of what is my mental state right now? Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes being aware all the time is tiring. Mm-hmm. And, a, and a lot of us have unhealthy coping mechanisms mm-hmm. when things get overwhelming. And so you have these go-tos, whether it's binging Netflix or drinking or doing drugs or yeah. spending time on your phone, like we all have these unhealthy go-tos. And so it's, it's a very important to try to be aware as much as possible. And even if, Kevin and I talk about this a lot because we, people reach out to us all the time on our, like on our podcast page and be like, Oh, like, how do you guys like be so positive all the time? And you know, how are you doing? And we're like, we're not positive all the time at all. Like we're, we're very quick to make episodes and be like, this is what we're going through right now. Like we're not perfect. And we're sometimes we don't do the things that we say, like we're trying, but sometimes you just fail. And so it's really important to have that sense of self-compassion as well, because the Mm -hmm. stuff that we're talking about on this podcast, especially if you're new to all this, like, don't just expect to wake up tomorrow and be an expert. Like it's going to take a lot of trials and a lot of tribulations and that self-compassion can really save you because you know that you don't have to be perfect. You just got to try to put one step in one foot in front of the other and do your best knowing that you're going to fail, like have that expectation. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Mm -hmm. Kevin, you want to add anything to that? That was very well said, Chris. Yeah. And and to add to what Chris just said, and you were, you were speaking to this as well, Brittany, is that, um, you build up the capacity. That's my, one of my favorite words in this, this line of work is capacity because we can understand a lot intellectually. We're very smart 
human beings. We're a very smart species, but sometimes that gets in the way of our own actual real experiences. Like we can speak about it, we can talk about it, we can understand it, but to apply it is a whole nother thing. And when we apply it, we're going to fail at some degree, as in we're not going to get it right the first time or even the 10th time or even the hundredth time, but we grow in capacity. Yeah. And that like, it brings to mind for me is like this, like, uh, growing, like for me, it's like this, the capacity is like this expanding, like a field of energy that you can hold and sustain. And as you grow your capacity, you're able to then apply these principles, these, these practices more, easily as you were saying as well before Brittany is that it does get easier over time Mm -hmm. but then which is the fun part about life and and growth is that there will be that new edge for us to grow into and so there'll still be challenge but it's we've built up that capacity more and more and so um that to me like when because I got into this work in 2013 um like really got serious about like studying in 2014 uh so it's been now seven years over seven years and the first year or two, I thought like I had it. And yeah. uh, if uh, Brittany, are you familiar with Bob Proctor? No, I don't think so. Okay. He's a, he's a world thought leader, best-selling author, life coach, all that, that stuff. He's in his eighties. It's crazy. Um, he says that if you think you've got it, you don't. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of my favorite things he's ever said um, when I've he- heard him speak because for so long, I thought I got it again, because I can intellectually understand it and then speak about it. Heck, even the first a year or two of my business, I was like thinking like, I got it. And that actually was setting up this, this block mm-hmm. from growing even more right. to serve more and grow my business. So like, yeah, that's one of my favorite things is like, I don't got it. Like mm-hmm. I could speak about it, but just understanding that I don't really have it gives the space mm-hmm. to really lean into more of that capacity and like expand yeah. into that. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. You get curious about you get curious about things. Like if you think that you got it, you're not gonna be curious about anything. You're just gonna think that you have it, and then it's gonna take that that something that happens to you where it really knocks you on your your butt, and you're like, oh, okay, I don't got this. And I think um, again, just to tie it back to emotions and like emotional intelligence, human be like we like to think that we're rational beings, but we're emotional beings. Yeah, a hundred and and. It's just so funny how everything in our society is built around rational thinking, like thought, but then all of our actions are irrational a lot of times and based on emotion. It's like, and and if anyone is kind of disagreeing with that statement, just think about how many times you've been afraid of something from happening, even though you know that you can think your way through it. It's like, even if that does happen, like I'll be fine. Or like that, the likelihood of that happening is like so small, you right. still have that emotional reaction to it. And you're probably still going to react on the emotions versus the rational thinking. Yeah. Um, and so you've ever walked that, into a job interview and felt nervous. Mm-hmm. That's an emotion. Yeah. You just, sometimes <laughs> you just can't help it. And no matter how much you rationally think about it, your emotions are going to take control mm-hmm. because they're just so much more powerful. Like the, yeah. the, what, what an emotion does to your body is like you can become addicted to them. Like just the mm-hmm. amount of hormones and chemicals that are released with an emotion, it, it drives your body to do things. And again, that's, that was evolutionarily important. Like you needed to have that quick response system to be able to get away from a tiger 
or get away from a bear or when you're hungry to find food. But now that emotional system is triggered by everything and everything in society. And we have the same reaction when you're walking in to see your boss or you're stressed as if a tiger is attacking you, the body can't tell the difference. And so that's also what's driving a lot of disease and a lot of sickness and why emotional intelligence and understanding emotions and how to move through them is so important for just basic overall health. Right. And so when we're talking about with the health, with creating these barriers, with doing the work, with all of this stuff. Um, so emotions carry positive or negative energy if we allow them to, right? So they're data in and of themselves, but the energy that they carry, if we do not manage them, or even when we manage them, especially with positive emotions, it can be positive or negative. It can also be draining or renewing. And so when we're talking about the capacity to be able to transition and to grow and develop, we have to have that capacity. The problem is if we're stewing in these emotions that are draining, then we've got to consciously find things to renew that energy so that we can make space for that growth Mm -hmm. because it's going to take energy. So, you know, Kevin, you may do this work too, but I help people identify small energy renewers throughout their day. And also know what's draining their energy. Because when people think of energy drainers, they think of bigger things. They don't think, I went to get a cup of coffee and they were out of what I normally get. Like, doesn't seem like a big deal, but it's a tea tiny little energy drainer, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have several of those little things pop up throughout the day. Like you step in or you step on a piece of gum, right? Now you got to take care of that. Or you spill coffee on your shirt or you know, Amazon's going to delay your package or whatever the case may mm-hmm. be. Like all those little things aren't that big of a deal, but when you have small things adding up, then that can equal one big energy drainer. So mm-hmm. I tell people like with those energy renewers, like step away, do a five minute walk, breathe. Breathing is so important. Like there's so many health benefits to just breathing. Um, and I don't know if you guys want to take some time to talk about that, but I, I believe I shared my experience with you when we connected about the breath work and all of the things that came up with that, like the energy that moved mm-hmm. from my gut to my throat. And I just kept breathing. And after I worked through those pent up emotions and got them out, every cell in my body just felt rejuvenated and, and pure. Um, mm-hmm. It's a thing. It's not a placebo effect. And I can't mm-hmm. stress that enough to people. Yeah. So. Breathing is a breathing is a direct connection. It's a conscious activity because you can make it conscious. You can, you can actually think about breathing and keep your inhales longer, keep your exhales longer. So you, it's conscious, but it has a direct connection to your unconscious bodily systems, your autonomic nervous system. Yeah. So your autonomic nervous system connects to every single major organ of your body It's why when you eat a hamburger or have breakfast, you don't have to think about digesting your food. It just happens, right? which is amazing. Like you don't have to think about getting nutrients and oxygen to every single cell of your body. It just happens. Um, But when our autonomic nervous system gets dysregulated through stress, those systems can go out of whack. And so breathing, again, is a conscious activity you can do to regulate your autonomic nervous system to get everything working back to normal when it's been dysregulated. Great, great little exercise, like no matter where you are. Yeah, it just kind of jerks you out of that stress state. Mm -hmm. Um, And then as long as we don't let a thought trigger that emotion again, 
then we should be able to calm down. It's just trying not to get back in that feedback back loop of thinking about what we were just thinking about that triggered us. Mm-hmm. Kevin, do you have any like advice to help people kind of get out of that feedback loop of that negative thought cycle? Well, I mean, what you and Chris were just, were just sharing is what I would share anyway. It's like that as a, one of the direct ways to get out of that negative loop because our breath, again, like it controls so much, like it shifts so much. So yeah, I actually wouldn't have anything to add really with that. And, and then I'll, have, I'll add something about um, neuroplasticity. So when you have consistent thoughts, you have very specific neural activity that happens whenever you think that thought. And when you think it over and over and over again, it becomes easier and easier to fire that thought. And so when you're first embarking on this journey to change your thinking and to change your emotions through breath, if you stop and breathe for a few minutes, you'll feel better. But if that thought comes up again, you need to, you need to be aware that it's coming up again and do what you can to shift it. And then over time, that neural pathway will become lessened and lessened. So your brain will think it's less important and it will start like detaching it a little bit. And then the other thought that you're replacing it with, your brain will read as more important and it'll start to create new neural connections and it'll start to make that pathway stronger. And that's the beauty of our brain. It's neuroplastic. It's, it's changeable. No matter what age, that's what they're finding out too. It's like the older and older you get, it doesn't matter. It's maybe a little harder, but you're still producing the proteins that can create this neuroplasticity. And so you can change your brain has the ability to change your nervous system can change. I love that. And I think the big shift is whenever you, again, bringing that curiosity back to it, you know, cause if we don't address that thought, if that thought keeps popping up, maybe it's telling us something, maybe there's like an under, like, where is this coming from? Was this something that I was told by my teacher when I was young and that I've adopted as the truth. And that's why this keeps replaying in my head. Is it a thought that's serving me? What would I rather be thinking about? And just asking those questions instead of just saying, you know, I'm just going to push this to the side and not deal with it now. I think it's really important that we address like not dismissing the thoughts, addressing them, but then asking, okay, what do I want to feel and how do I get out of that, this state into that state? Yeah, we did an episode on that (laughs) where we talk about like just – not like not all negative thinking is bad because of that reason what you just said um Brittany. it's like when you have a negative thought you can be curious about where the thought's coming from and it can actually help you to discover something that about yourself that you need to heal yeah so not all negative thinking is bad yeah and with that curiosity i think comes a positive energy mm-hmm. yeah right there's there's Definitely. no shame there's no guilt it's like that's an interesting feeling i don't like it it makes me feel really icky where is it coming from and how do I get past this? Cause it's mm. not serving me. Right. Don't pitch a tent in your discontent. Oh, I love it. Nice. <laughs> Don't pitch a tent in your discontent. Well, that hour went by really quick. Um, <laughs> so I just want to ask like any final thoughts. Like I feel like emotions and energy is such a broad topic that like we could do four more episodes, five more episodes just on that alone. Um, Mm -hmm. Is there anything else you would like to share with the listeners or viewers? I would just, I would just add to follow your curiosity. Like if there was something during this episode that you really, it really lit you up and you can tell when it really lit you up because you felt an uptick in your energy, start to research it more. We talked about a lot of stuff on this podcast and 
we don't expect you to know everything. We don't know everything. We're just sharing experiences. And so if there's anything that really piqued your interest, read about it more, learn about it, start to become more aware about a particular area of your life and just have fun with it. Yeah. And my final message would be that you don't have to rely on yourself for this, for the transformation you want. It's like Chris was sharing. It's like having support from others. That's a co-regulation tool. Um, but I also, this is my belief and this is where the spirituality comes in is that there, there is a power that is breathing us. Like we, we can't make our heart beat once on our own. Like that you could see is like a function of our subconscious, uh, mind, but I really believe it's, it's part of the super conscious mind. And that to me, like there, there's an intelligence that is driving this universe forward. Like it, there's a, actually a scientist, um, it was the, Werner von Braun, who is the scientist that helped uh, the United States and JFK like go to the moon, like always build a rocket to go to the moon for the first time in human history. And this is a complete paraphrase of his quote, but he had said that based on the intricate workings of the laws that now we can time the landing of a rocket to the moon within a fraction of a second, that that is a direct uh, evidence to him that there is without doubt a God and you can use whatever label you want. Like God is just one label. You Source, can call it universe. Yep, yeah. Whatever. It, Allah, Krishna, like there's so many different labels for it, but there is this one power. And so I believe that there's also that connection point within that. If you're looking for support, sure. I highly recommend to have support structures around you of like people or a, a community, a tribe, a mentor, a coach, but on top of that is developing that relationship within because we, we are not alone. We never are. Yeah. Great note to end on. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I am definitely going to put a link to your guys' podcast in the show notes. It has been a wonderful delight to listen to all of your guests and just the two of you bouncing ideas around and speaking about things. Um, thoroughly enjoy it. So I want to share that with my listeners as well. Thank you. So thank, thank you, you so much, us. Kevin and Chris. And I would love yeah. to kind of do a follow-up too and really talk about kind of how emotions, like Chris, you were saying, affect our physiology and um, can create illness. Mm-hmm. So love to kind of take a deep dive on that and expand. Yeah, be happy to. Thank you both so much. It has been an absolute pleasure. Mm-hmm.